Hi, welcome to episode 481 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and if you play this podcast backwards, you'll hear a secret message from Satan telling you that you're listening to the podcast the wrong way. Today it's Fantastic Four, Volume 3, Number 52, a.k.a. Fantastic Four, 481, from April 2002, Shadows of Doom, plot by Raphael Marin and Carlos Pacheco, dialogue by Carl Kessel, and art by Mark Bagley. The issue begins back in World War II with the Loki Project. They don't explain why they named the project after Loki, but it involves the superpowered kids who were found by the Nazis in the last issue and are being raised to be trained killers. They've been having trouble with one of the kids, the girl with the secondary eyelids, who has killed several of the instructors in her attempts to resist her Nazi training. And oops, oh, there she goes again, using her powers to seemingly make the Nazi's head explode. They turn on this electric device that gives her a shock, and we flash forward to the present of the year 2002, where this girl is now all grown up, but not that grown up. She still looks like a young blonde woman, and she's working for the U.S. military. She's in a meeting with some military personnel and Reed Richards, who is super pissed off that the planetary defense satellite they have was used to shoot down and destroy a spaceship last issue belonging to some intergalactic bounty hunters who came to Earth looking for the inhuman royal family. He screams at him, You could have sparked an intergalactic war! If Reed thinks that members of the Bush administration are worried about starting any kind of war, then he's in for a rude awakening. They assure Reed that no one's going to care, there's not going to be any fallout from this incident. Reed pulls up a video of the bounty hunters teleporting in and the bounty hunters teleporting out and points out that one of the bounty hunters stayed behind on Earth. Unknown to Reed, the blonde lady had the alien killed. They tell Reed they'll deal with the alien, but they don't tell Reed that they killed him. And one of the army dudes goes on to say that they'll deal with any non-humans that hide among us. This sets Reed off on a rant about the Nazis, the Ku Klux Klan, and the Taliban, Three groups that were obsessed with purity and wanting to make sure everyone in the world was just like them. If Reed thinks that non-humans hiding on Earth among humans isn't a real problem, he's in for a rude awakening when secret invasion comes around. Let's see how he feels about a scroll posing as his wife Sue. I bet he'll be a little less tolerant then. And considering his experience with scrolls already, you would think he'd be like, yeah, yeah, those shape-shifting aliens posing as... As Earthlings, yeah, screw them. Reed says he was trying to trace the other alien, but the trail disappeared. One of the guys says that the alien must not must have used some kind of alien power to vanish without a trace, and adds that it's time to begin the second phase of the project. Reed is like, second phase? I don't think he knew there was a first phase. So anyway, on the set of the movie where Johnny Storm is playing the rawhide kid, he's trying to act out a scene which is a shootout with some low-down, dirty snake. And Rawhide Kid shoots the gun out of the bad guy's hand. This movie looks terrible. And when another bad guy holds a gun to a woman's head, Johnny throws his badge, a star, at the guy, hits his hand, and he drops the gun. Actually, he's kind of like some kind of gay ninja cowboy. 
That actually sounds pretty good. I would watch that. Next, Johnny has to deliver uh, some dialogue saying, The marshal's a fella who's going to miss you a mite, Melissa, while I'm moseying around the mesas of New Mexico. But he keeps screwing up the lines over and over again. I don't blame him. I had a hard time reading that, too, and it's right in front of me. Under the pressure, Johnny accidentally flames on. The director starts fussing at Johnny, who flies off, saying that he needs a few minutes to cool down. The director of the movie apologizes to the producer, Mr. Hawk, saying that he's trying to do the best he can to honor the memory of Mr. Hawk's father. The producer replies, Don't worry, Bob. I know you're giving it your best. Mr. Hawk heads into his trailer, and this other shapeshifter guy appears, asking Mr. Hawk to call him by his stage name, Lon Zelig. Mr. Hawk says that Johnny Storm doesn't seem to be working out, and Lon says he could do something about that. He shapeshifts into the body of Johnny Storm in his rawhide kid outfit. Ugh, can you believe this? Some shapeshifting alien is going to steal Johnny Storm's job? Where's Donald Trump when you need him? So back at the Baxter building, Sue is leading a press conference where she's introducing the Inhumans to the world. She says that, contrary to what the Internet says, the Inhumans are not destructive invaders with no concern for humanity. Gee, that doesn't sound like something that people on the Internet would say. Usually they're so nice. Sue says that Black Bolt has always valued peace first and foremost, and that at different points in time, Medusa and Crystal have both been members of the Fantastic Four. Sue opens the door for questions, and the first reporter wants to ask Black Bolt if there are any more Inhumans out there, like a whole race of them. Medusa explains that Black Bolt does not speak, so she'll speak for him. She explains that most of their people have chosen to wander the stars, but a few have decided to stay on their home planet of Earth. Another reporter points out that the name Inhumans sounds rather ominous, and at this point, the rest of the reporters are getting agitated and aggressive, and we see some creepy guy standing among them with yellow glowing eyes, who most likely is using his powers to urge them on. The reporters are bitching that Black Bolt is cold and aloof and won't talk to them. A reporter says, One's a sea creature and another has hooves for feet. Someone says, They don't even look like each other. How can how can they say that they're like any of us? Another reporter yells out, Admit it! You inhumans were exiled by your own people! If they don't trust you, why should we? Go back to outer space! space. You, you don't, don't belong here. here! The crowd starts to chant. Someone throws a microphone at the Inhumans, and Black Bolt zaps it out of the air, and this causes the reporters to freak out even more. The reporters start to attack the stage. Chaos breaks out. Metal tentacles come out of the wall and grab everyone. There are now two people in the audience with glowing eyes, making all this happen. We see some people watching TV at home, and they're confused as to whether or not they're watching the real news or a TV show. And this one teenage girl is ripping up a photo of the human torch. People are rioting and, th and yelling out, Earth is for humans, not inhumans. These people are crazed with racial intolerance. They've gone full Trump. Next, a scene that takes place ten minutes earlier, featuring the return of Damage Control, who are cleaning up the mess from the blown-up Inhumans ship. Ben Grimm in his human form is walking by, and he overhears the Damage Control people talking and complaining about the Fantastic Four. But Ben is busy with a tracking device trying to find that missing, shape-shifting alien. 
and the trail leads him to the place where the alien was attacked by the guardsmen, armored goons who work for the government. And the guardsmen show up again and attack Ben, and he quickly turns into the thing. Only, he can transform halfway, so he's more like a, a human-looking rock monster than normal, because the guardsmen have a cosmic ray dampener, which isn't really working as fully as it should. But they still think they can take on the thing. But they're wrong. He clobbers him, and just then, another person shows up and blasts Ben with some kind of weapon that makes him pass out. Her name is Senso, and she appeared a couple times before. I think she was hanging out with Grey Gargoyle, if I remember correctly. I really miss the old footnotes that would tell you when a character last appeared. So elsewhere, Reed is addressing the United Nations General Assembly, and I see he's dressed up in a nice suit for the occasion. Yeah, right. He's still wearing his blue FF uniform. Classy. Reed is speaking out against the so-called second phase of the defense against extraterrestrial threats, which is to confine or control all alien beings on the planet Earth. Which is an odd position for him to take, considering he spends so much of his time defending the Earth from extraterrestrial threats. So, uh, next up, Reed starts to mention some alien superheroes who have fought to protect Earth, including Captain Marvel, who's dead, the Silver Surfer, who at this point doesn't even live on Earth, and Thor, who I guess is technically an alien, but being a Norse god, he's more closely tied to Earth. I don't really think of him as an alien. There are some dudes in the audience with glowing yellow eyes, so I know some serious shit is about to go down. People at the UN start screaming at Reed, calling him a traitor, saying that he must be hiding something, saying that he must be in league with Galactus or some other cosmic menace. Well, Reed did save Galactus's life once, so that is kind of correct. And some guy says that no country on Earth would ever accept the Inhumans. And that's coming from a Canadian, and they accept everybody. Reed doesn't point out the fact that the Inhumans aren't aliens, they're Earthlings. I think technically, the Inhumans are Chinese. But I think they would have a hard time selling the world on that idea. And then, the leader of one country speaks up and says that his country will accept the Inhumans. That kind and generous leader is the ruler of Latveria, Dr. Doom. Oh, zoinks, what a plot twist that is. And that is the end of the issue. We'll have to find out next time what Dr. Doom has up his sleeve. It's doubtful that he wants to accept the Inhumans because he's interested in having a diverse and multicultural population in his country, because that's not how he rolls. So if, we, if you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes or find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. <laughs>